I happen to think that the people sitting at this table comprise the finest crew in the quadrant. You're not going to get much of an argument from this group. I didn't think so. Which is why when their captain challenged us to a contest of courage, teamwork, and sacrifice, I accepted on your behalf. We will destroy them. I was hoping for that reaction. So when is this clash of the titans? Two weeks in Hollow Suite 5. What's the contest? Baseball. Greetings and salutations. My name is Nick Strangis, and I'll be facilitating this edition of the Mop-Up Duty podcast from BanishedToThePen.com. Now, normally Mop-Up Duty is reserved for non-topical and non-baseball subjects like classic wrestlers, 90s sitcoms, or Star Wars, for example, but we're lucky to get the chance today to combine our love of baseball and our love of nerd stuff because we're going to be discussing Star Trek and specifically Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, which is the episode of Deep Space Nine where Benjamin Sisko rallied together a ragtag baseball team from prominent members of the Deep Space Nine crew to answer the challenge of one of his oldest Vulcan rivals. We'll get into an open-ended Star Trek draft later in the episode, but first I need to introduce our very special panelists. Uh, so I'll open up with uh, Mike Carlucci. Um, Mike, you've been on a couple of the Mop-Up Duty podcasts now, and um, I just thought that since you've been on the Star Wars podcast a couple times, um, maybe you can answer the age-old question of who wins in a, a space battle between, say, the Federation and the Empire, assuming the uh, Empire can't bring the Death Star to a spaceship battle. Well, if it's, uh, if it's held by... by Captain Jean-Luc Picard, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be the Federation. I'm sorry, it's just <laughs> it's just the way it is. No love for the uh, Star Destroyers, sir, and the admirals. All right, that's fair enough. That's maybe, fair enough. Maybe a Y wing could change the balance. I'll, maybe I'll open that door. Around. All right, all right, fair enough. And of course, um, our very special guest this evening is Russell Carlton, all the way from BaseballProspectus.com. Um, I guess you could say he's part of the. Uh, the alpha timeline, if you will, to uh, banish to the pens alternate timeline. <laughs> um, so, Russell, thanks for doing this. We had some technical difficulties last night, but you were nice enough to come back tonight and and discuss this with us again. Um, so, if you don't mind, just kind of talking about how you got into Star Trek originally and and uh, some of your you know favorites uh, about what brought you into the series. Yeah. So. Um in addition to doing nerdy stuff about baseball, I, I watch nerdy stuff on TV too. Um, don't say. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, see, the thing is my dad liked the original series. And so when I was growing up, you know, the, that would be on occasionally. It'd be on, you know, it would fill some time uh, on some network. And, um, and so it'd be on and I'd watch it a little bit. And then when I got to be, I'm going to say about 10, um, Next Generation was actually kind of in full flourish at that point. It was, uh, it was about 1990, I guess it would have been, and um, it was on. They had produced enough episodes to where you could they it was you can they call it striping, um, but they would they would air an episode um, every night on at seven o'clock on Channel 43 in Cleveland, and I would watch those episodes and. Um, then the new ones would come on and, you know, I kind of figured out uh, who all the characters were and I loved it. I mean, it was, uh, it was prime kind of, uh, 10, 11 year old me watching. Um, and then, 
you know, DS9 came on and I watched that for a little bit. And then, like, Next Generation ended in uh, 94. And that's actually more or less when I stopped watching TV for a few years. Um, I, what was the uh, what was the prompt for that? Was it like a school thing or just... Oh, school, or, it was... Yeah. I mean, part of it was I, I, I was I was more into radio, more into music, and and that was there was that, and I just kind of fell out of the habit, and I didn't have like a, I was never a person who other than like Next Generation, I didn't have my show that I had to I had to watch, um, so it More was like weird. A Friends to, guy or a... you no, know, I've never seen an episode of Friends. <laughs> wow, that's amazing! You can watch all two hundred and whatever now. So I can, and I, <laughs> I have never seen an I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. I've never seen an episode of Friends. Whoa, that's probably a lie. I've probably, I'm sure, I've you know been around and there's been one on, but you know, I've just I missed that entire era of television. Um, and I actually like I I watched the first couple of seasons of DS9, and I didn't really pick that back up until. I was in I was I was in grad school graduate school I was living in Chicago, and um, this is when um, let's just say compression uh, formats for video got you know an, uh, good enough that you could fit them on a hard drive um, around that time. Um, not saying how they got onto my hard drive. I'm just saying that that was something that was that was out there. Um, plausible deniability. I you know I'm just saying it. that that was something yeah. that happened around that time. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, so I, I actually uh, kind of picked up DS9 that way, and um, and then I didn't pick up Voyager until um, it was after my wife and I got married, and and she had actually seen Voyager a little bit, and uh, we had the we had the old version. She had heard of this company called Netflix. Um, perhaps you've heard of it. And this is back actually when Netflix actually sent you DVDs. Um, and we didn't get Netflix. We actually got the Blockbuster video version of Netflix because uh, we had a Blockbuster up the street from us. Oh, and yeah. so we can... we would kind of do the old version of binge watching, which was they would send you a DVD with some episodes of a show and you would watch it and then you would send it back. And you'd, you'd wait two days for them to send you the next disc. You know, it's funny. I would... Um... I live next to one, and so when I got into Battlestar Galactica, oh. I would get, I would just get whatever they could send me, because yeah. I could go up to the store and you know make sure that I got the right disc that mm. I needed. Yeah. Um, so I didn't care, you know, because they would say, oh well, we don't have this one right now, but we can send you a, a replacement. I was like, whatever, just send me the disc so I right. can take it and exchange yeah. it. Yeah, funny. Yeah, I remember the the old blockbuster days. Yeah, we had uh, we had that, and so my wife and I actually. We just we kind of did the entire cycle of Next Generation and DS9 and then Voyager, and we got to the point where we would kind of Mystery Science 3000 it, where we'd be sitting there and even though we hadn't really seen the episode, we'd you know be calling what was happening and doing commentary and voiceovers and um, all kinds of uh, of fun stuff. But uh, so it's you know it's kind of been a piece of my life for. Um, for a long time, and um, you know, I mean, it is kind of the quintessential nerdy thing, and um, I'm, you know, happy to partake in it. Certainly, certainly. Um, Mike, maybe if you want to jump in as well, just kind of uh, go back and uh, refresh us on how you got got into Star Trek, and um, you know, any any highlights for you, uh, or any big connections that you have. Yeah, um, sort of similar. You know, I was. Eight years old, uh, Next Generation had started up, 
uh, my, my parents had watched a little of uh, you know the originals. So it was kind of a like a family wholesome thing on Saturday nights. Uh, we'd get together and watch watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, uh, and that was you know that was really like the only uh, you know that, that, that was the only television show I really really followed along with. Kind of yeah. To wrestle. It's funny too because Star Trek has always been pretty like it's definitely something you can watch with kids of a certain age i mean the riskiest it gets i don't know maybe there's some tight outfits here and there but um nothing approaching like swearing or <laughs> i mean you know on Battlestar star they had the old um you know frack frack this frack that um but they don't even you know i guess no bother with that on way. star trek it's right <laughs> yeah no smurfing way man um that's cool and i mean we're all going to get into drafting some of our favorite uh things from Star Trek in a little bit. So I thought we could jump into, um, you know, Deep Space Nine is, after all, a baseball show because, um, you know, we do actually have a baseball episode to cover. Um, and, um, you yeah, know, one of the fun parts about Deep Space Nine for anybody who's who's watched it is how um, they reference a good old uh, Buck Bakai many, many times over. And, uh, you know, with Captain Cisco being a big baseball fan, um, we get a lot of references back to the um, former uh, Interplanetary League, I guess you could say. Um, so I thought we could just kind of jump in, maybe, and we kind of, like you said, um, Mystery Science Theater our way through this episode a little bit, just kind of get off on any anything that comes up of interest that you guys want to talk about. Um, I don't know if either one of you remember how the the this the season kind of went what was going up to that point on on deep space nine like where we were in the storyline um because it's it's pretty late in the in the storyline of the actual season yeah i mean i mean it's the ever popular star trek uh do you have an idea for a script no not really why don't we do a holodeck breaks and we're trapped in the holodeck episode and you know the holodeck didn't break they actually but you know it's the um i i was think it's hilarious when when because next generation did this a lot it's like mm. uh we want to do a western episode i know the holodeck broke while i was running a western program let's do a shakespeare one you know there's that um yeah i mean it's just all of a sudden it's like eh, we're sick of doing these war episodes let's do something else yeah i mean it's pretty intense up to that point we just lost uh jidzia um you know in the previous at the end of the previous season um, and, uh, I don't know, you had, like, the, uh, you had Worf going off and, and, you know, fighting in the Dominion Wars. I think he was in a couple Next Generation movies, uh, between seasons or something. Yeah, they managed to, you know, have him conveniently show up on the, on the Enterprise a couple of That's times. That's right. Yeah. Because you can uh, do that in a sci-fi world, you know. Totally, totally. Um, I'm surprised they didn't work him into, uh, Voyager somehow. Um, one way or another, they worked. Um, they, you know, did uh, actually work Riker into uh, Enterprise. So there's there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we have this uh, nice little warm bath water, I guess, between all the craziness that happened in the Dominion Wars. Um, it, it's funny because it opens up right away with um, you know Solok, who's the Vulcan. I've always found it interesting how many Vulcans don't seem to really do the whole emotion, you know, 
there's no emotion kind of thing. <laughs> like, I mean, just like Jedi in the Star Wars movies, they're like not very good at it apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you'll notice that with uh, throughout this running sort of storyline of Vulcans who seem to be annoyed every time a human shows up, you know, um, in the picture, I guess. Um, and I kind of wondered if they were, um, when humans are not around, like, are they constantly just like talking stuff about us or, you know, like, is it like, do they have like jokes about humans the way we might joke about, I don't know, Klingons, the way they look or something. Uh, I like just that to Vulcan jump in, locker room talk. Yeah. The Vulcan locker room talk. What's that like after the game? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't peg, uh, peg one of the humans for stealing a base down nine runs. It's like a unwritten rule of holodeck baseball maybe um we do get a, a pretty good you know you get the uh cisco turning on the old like dusty baker i guess mentality from the start because he he kind of busts them around a little bit in the beginning um we have a uh, a nice little training montage of uh you know um quark getting thrown um like glasses and things off the top balcony of his of his restaurant um, by his assistants. I don't know if that brings up any memories for anybody. Yeah, I can't remember that um, one. I'm, it's it's been a little uh, while since I actually seen the episode, but it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you mentioned that it's it, it the you know the Vulcans. You said oh they would have uh, they wouldn't have pegged you know one of the one of the Deep Space Niners for for doing something bush league like stealing down yeah. nine and I, I, but you know giving up first base uh, would be illogical so. Right. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be weird to see, you know, Brian McCann versus the Vulcans and um, the unwritten rules of uh, um, see how he how he would have how he would responded to um, yeah. <laughs> the Vulcans just kind of you know doing their thing. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, how, how would they uh, react to like? I mean, it's funny because um, you know, Avery had mentioned, I guess, in a in an interview that. Um, Dusty Baker was a kind of a uh, inspiration for him as a manager. Oh, I'm okay. Like, oh, yeah, but the Vulcans. I mean, you know, the Vulcans number one are superhuman, so they would probably laugh at the idea of a hundred or you know, a hundred and ten pitches, and you're coming out of the game. But I guess at the same time, like the idea of just leaving someone in a game because you know um, they got to earn their way. You know, they, you know, they've earned it or something. Like it seems a little odd. Yeah. I'm just saying, Jake Sisko is Kenny Lofton's nephew, so you know they should have had a little bit more talent on that team. I know. I'm just saying, the, the it would have been good to see him out in the outfield, see what he can do out there. Um, the the episode certainly does show off how like not athletic most actors are. Um, if you go back and watch it, the the Vulcans are oddly like not Vulcan looking because you know most Vulcans right are pretty tall and long. Right. If I I've seen this correctly. And um, if you just kind of look at some of the photos of the actors in that episode, you get a lot of square jaws. You get a lot of big forearms. Like, you know, um, actors that look like actors that play baseball players rather than uh, Vulcans. Um, But um, it's interesting because in the episode, they don't really... I mean, you don't see a whole lot of baseball. You have all this buildup, I guess. They should have called Ben and Sam. and They they would have made all the baseball look better, you know. There you go. Some consulting. Um, I, I, yeah, I should have, they should have asked that question if he was involved with, uh, take me out to the holodeck, yeah. uh, just the other day on Effectively Wild. Um, but, um, it's weird cause they don't really explore like, you know, how could baseball be different if you have a Klingon, I mean, Worf does lose his temper at one point and, you know, almost gets thrown out, 
but you have a Klingon who's you know pretty amazing uh, athlete. You would think um, he's playing uh, first base. Like, is that a wasted? Is that a wasted talent of a Klingon, being that he's a pretty pretty big uh, pretty big guy? Looks like he'd probably run pretty fast. I don't know if you guys have any any thoughts on how you might align realign this team from from where Cisco has them lining up. Yeah, there was an article a couple of years ago at, at BP that that like looked into that specific topic of, you know, what why were they why were they playing where they were playing? I I even wonder if the if the writers or if like the writers actually wrote in, okay, Worf, you're going to be over at first base, and I mean, Michael Dorn's a really tall guy, so maybe they fell back on, oh, you know, the tallest guy plays first base because he can stretch maybe the that's furthest. It. He's the biggest guy. I think he does bat maybe third in the lineup or fourth, one of the two. Um, so, um, that's a good point. I mean, they, they do have some, I think in that, that article, it was pointed out that, um, so the, the new Dax. Tinker Trill? Yeah, Tinker Trill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but Dax was, at one point, the symbiote was like an Olympic gymnast or something like that. Right, yeah. And so Ezra pulls off this whole maneuver, um, where she runs up the wall, does a backflip without looking and, and the ball kind of finds the glove. So I'm like, okay, I kind of get get center field um for for good old dax an, an underrated uh part of Worf at first though i i, I rewatched the episode over the weekend so Worf is left he, or he he plays first base uh he throws left-handed but he bats right-handed ah uh, very true With so he's the um he's ricky henderson without the wheels i guess yeah which, which in in uh, an admittedly not Sam level uh, play index would, would make would make Worf uh, well he would be the 18th baseball player to play first base and throw lefty but bat from the right side. Very nice. Who else? Any other big names? I can't eat, off uh, the top of my head think of anybody. The the oh, only God. one I recognized was Dave McCarty. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, kind of yeah. Oh. Uh, Oh no! I, I thought maybe I'd heard of Louis Medina, but he'd only played for one Louis season. Louis Medina! So. Oh, take me back to <laughs> Cleveland. There you go. He was okay. Uh, small aside, this is totally f- because I'm from Cleveland. Luis Medina was the prototypical. He can hit. He can't. F- he can't field. So they were trying desperately to hide him in left field. Then they tried him at first base, and then they realized that he couldn't hit either. So, um, I mean, it, I mean that is the classic. Like late '80s, early '90s, Cleveland prospect that um, for the life. I mean, you got used to these guys in Cleveland. You know, they were going to change uh, change the face of the franchise, and they were, you know, on the AAA All Star team, and and uh, and they come up, and it just didn't work. So, um, oh, Luis Medina, thank you for bringing Could, that back to me. Couldn't couldn't feel the position at first base, but also couldn't hit well enough to stick. On no, the he field. just couldn't That's- hit. Couldn't hit. No, I mean, okay. there wasn't. It wasn't just couldn't hit well enough for first base. He just couldn't hit. So, <laughs> second base, shortstop, <laughs> pitcher. You know. Yeah. Um, where, wherever you can squeeze him in. I. You know. He was. He. He. It just didn't work. And you know that was that was being a Cleveland Indians fan in the late '80s. So crazy enough. So is Brian Hunter on your list, Mike? More uh, brave. Yes, he is. Because what's crazy is I remember him as an outfielder, but then I, I you know, just to check into it, um, he played quite a bit of first base, apparently. Um, 
And I, I wonder if they were just so stacked in those 90s Braves teams, um, or they just couldn't find a first baseman. I don't know. It's kind of odd. Um, well, he kind of predated Fred McGriff then, because that was their... Yeah, he was the pre the, the prior to McGriff. You're right, you're right, 90, 91, 92, 93. Yeah. Um, and obviously he was playing some football at the same time, so it was probably a little inconvenient. Um, maybe there was a deal in place that we didn't know about between uh, John Scherholtz and the Falcons or something. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, the... Uh, Worf, and it's it's funny because he he also plays a a baseball player uh, on an earlier episode, um, the um, ever famous episodes where Cisco uh, dreams that he's a uh, a writer um, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, it's like Far Beyond the Stars. I remember that one. Right. Yeah. And like Jake and, Cisco's uh, Willie McCovey or something. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Benny Russell is is Ben Benjamin Cisco. Yeah. Um, as his alternate ego, um, and of course, um, Worf ends up being the big, um, you know, baseball player hero of the neighborhood or whatever. Um, so not his first go around playing a baseball player, I guess. The other funny thing, obviously, that gets brought up a lot is um, with Odo as the umpire. Yeah. Um, there's a great shot of him practicing his calls earlier in the episode, of like practicing the safe and the out calls, and trying to get them right. Um, he's OCD. Um, but it brings up the whole idea again of, you know, um, Cisco doesn't want a robot umpire. Um, so any thought of maybe bringing data on board for the episode, I guess is out, but bringing in Odo, uh, what is that? The closest thing you can get to a robot without actually being a robot himself. I don't know. Like the whole thing with him and that was always, you know, he was, he, he played, he always played it straight down the middle and he was never. Um, you know, he, you could, you could at least count on him to, um, to always tell the truth. You know, every, every, uh, every Star Trek character has their superpower and that was his, I guess. Plus, you know, that's actually a yeah, good yeah. point. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's the thing that defines him right. more so than like, the changeling qualities. But, you know, that's, you know, he was the, he was the, the minister of justice or whatever he was. And he was, uh, I, I, I remember when they, uh, as that was unfolding, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then, then you start getting into, wait, do they have like nine other characters that they can bring in? And, and then you're like, ah, okay, yeah. Okay. Nog's here for some reason. Right. Well, and, and then Rom, uh, who oh, yeah. for some reason they decided was an important character to the series. Right. Uh, maybe it was just a favor to the actor. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I, you know, I, you, you think about that and like, yeah, Sarah Clofton got um, got billing on like the main credits, but uh, Aaron Eisenberg was just so much more part of the plot um, as uh, as Nog, and yeah. I, I don't think that was ever planned. I think that you know they kind of went in there thinking that you know Jake Sisko would kind of be the Wesley Crusher of of DS Nine, and it just never quite worked. Um, you know, my wife and I have a, a drinking game that that goes. We drink any time that uh, Jake Sisko does something useful. My wife and I don't drink, <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's interesting that they never really found a fit for Jake or Nog. I mean, I like Nog as being this kind of juvenile delinquent as yeah. the series opened, and then developing over time. 
Um, <clears throat> and also, like, evolving in his views of, like, women. Yeah. <laughs> going from, like, uh, they go on a date early on in the series, and, um, you know, he completely embarrasses Jake because Jake finally gets these girls to go on a date with them and has no idea what's coming. Um, it's like, I don't know, hanging out in college with some of my friends that were from, like, the backwoods of South Carolina. <laughs> you know, most of the time really good guys. Every once in a while something would just come out of the mouth, and you would just go, Where, why, why would anyone say that? <laughs> um but in this case, I guess being battery makes make mates makes a little bit of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised that that Cisco, you know, that uh, uh, that they don't have the Cisco to Cisco battery on the team though, um, or some kind of I don't know um, one of them playing shortstop because of I guess Bakai that was his his position, um, their hero. Mm-hmm. You know that what should have done is. Uh... Uh, they should have had them both hit a home run in that game and out Griffey the Griffies. Yeah, then the um, new, yeah. So, you know, um, do the father-son thing, but, you know, uh, Ben Cisco gets himself thrown out, and, yeah, you know, that's the way. That's how it happens, I guess. Um, YCPB. DS9. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could have had a whole, I guess, series of this, I guess, if you really wanted to, of them just going around and playing all the other, like, playing the Romulans, playing the... <laughs> it's... Playing the Dominion. Wait. How, how would They're they, at how, war how with the Dominion. I know, that's what I mean. They can settle the whole war. One game. With with a baseball game? Okay. Yeah. I it's, don't know. Well, you know, you could have had... Um, you, you, you guys remember the, the NES game Base Wars? You know, you can yeah. kind of do it like that. Um, you, 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 be, I, there's a... Um, like, I think on, it's like an MLB The Show, they have a mode where you can do... You're basically playing the game Risk, but you're playing baseball games as the battles or the dice rolls or whatever. And um, I, I saw something about what that. is this? I did. I have not uh, seen this. This mode. is that's oh, crazy. this is this is something like that's a lot like it's, it, it. Basically, I, I had this idea a long time ago, and it was you know only a matter of time before somebody else had it too, I guess. But um, yeah. but you you basically you play a war game, but instead of having battles, um, you have teams of baseball players that play against each other, and that determines the thing. I mean, you, you think of the game Risk, where you, you you know your battle is a dice roll, basically. Right, right. Um, you can do anything. Right, but you could do anything to, to settle yeah. that. And yeah. so that's the... Um, so it's it's like risk with like an element of, of um, I don't know, like a baseball mogul or out-of-the-park yeah. baseball where, yeah, some kind of dice roll uh, yeah. actually determines what, based on your strengths and weaknesses or something. Or you could, I mean, like, on, I think on MLB The Show, you actually play the game. Oh, okay. And then, like, you, you start out and you conquer... You conquer different cities, and I think you have to conquer. Like eventually, you conquer the major league team that from that city. So, like, if you're in, uh, you know, you're kind of in the upper Midwest, you you conquer Minnesota, then you conquer Milwaukee, and you do that by beating the Twins and Brewers. Right so on. that's the. I'll to, uh, I'm check that out. Yeah, for I'm, sure. That sounds uh, promising. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you've just sold me on MLB the Show. I, you know, I don't even own it either. I just, I happen to see that. I just heard of this. So that's my, um, my, my free plug, I guess, for, uh, for the game. But 
that's exciting. And then of course, um, you know, going back to the uh, things we miss out on. Uh, this is just after I guess Garrick had a like a panic attack or something. I don't know if you guys remember this. Like this is bef- around the time I guess he was being possessed. Um, so you think Garrick would be a pretty good like big Cardassian addition to the team? Um, I don't know. He's like the uh, Brandon McCarthy or something of the. <laughs> the space station maybe I don't, I don't know if there's a is there a rest red Sox? i mean I, I guess you guys have what um you have pablo sandoval coming back now from injury for like the oh, dozenth time but you don't really want him back right that's the situation there pablo sandoval would be like having mourn on the team <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we now doing mlb comps for the various ds9 <laughs> characters is that the uh, uh maybe that's the direction we're, we're going here is uh I, I could definitely see, uh, you know, a, a big poppy uh, wharf comparison, maybe. Uh, big bodies, <laughs> big lefties. Um, Not really first baseman. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about the up the middle though. They've got, you know, they're they're very athletic, very agile. Uh, Kira, and uh, like we said before, Esri Dax up the middle. But now all the center fielders and shortstops in baseball can hit. So. Mm. I don't know. This was the '90s. Do you think any of them were juicing? Uh, uh, that's a good I mean, point. Come on. Maybe just Worf, to get ready. Just, just Worf was. Uh, you know how do you how do you get that good at the bat left? You know. Yeah, that was pretty quick. Pretty quick turnout for Worf. I'm just saying. Some, yeah, there's not just tools, but uh, skills. There was, there. you know, they didn't have the Mitchell report back then, so. Uh, I, uh, everybody's juicing. I'm just saying. This is this is uh yeah before the strike before everything went down, um, plus you've got the uh, you know specter of of the Vulcans hanging over them. They've got to compete pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. We do know that uh, O'Brien had some gum with uh, it was Scotch flavored chewing gum that he had replicated. Mm-hmm. So I mean if you can put Scotch in some chewing gum, I'm just saying. Just saying what was in that hypo spray, you know? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing up hypo sprays. Dr. Bashir is an admitted uh, genetic enhancement user. Oh, that's right. This yeah. is true. Like, he, they, they were bragging that? about that in the episode as, as a weapon. They had Worf's strength and the enhanced doctor. Like, it was just out in the open. It's just right there. Totally. And that's like the very next episode is, is him hanging out with the mutants on the ship. I think they come <laughs> visit him for some reason. So, they all knew about it. So, it's not like it's not like the Mitchell Report where they were just sneaking around or anything. Hmm. Um well said. Well said. Well, just to kind of move things forward, I don't know, any other uh, um, things we might want to bring back, you know, any 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 inspirations from this episode that we might actually want to bring to baseball? Um, I, you know, they have the crowd they can turn on and turn off at will. Um, I don't know if, you've ever, if, if you guys are for or against the wave. Oh. If you've ever been in a game and wanted to just turn off the crowd. Oh, boy, the wave should be a felony. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they spared us, at least, in Take Me Out to the Holodeck, because right. I don't remember there being a wave. Um, they do somehow bring them back at the very end of the game. I guess maybe that's Cisco turning them back on again for the final play to uh, celebrate. There's also the whole running off the field with the game still going on. It's like, you know, the eighth inning, and they score one run. I don't know. Can you can you just choose like a moral victory in, in Major League Baseball? Would that be a nice way to change the rules? Like... Hey, when everyone just feels like it's time to end the game, if you're the Twins or the Braves <laughs> or the Brewers, leave on a end the game on a high note. Yeah, yeah, 
Well, normally you just put, you know, you put the backup catcher in to pitch at that point. <laughs> yeah, true, true. And, you know, they were kind of running low on, on other other main characters, so, you know. That You've was... got nobody else to pitch. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, so, so Jake was the only pitcher. Like, he pitched all the batting practice. He pitched the game. <laughs> at one point, I think, like, Bashir is examining his elbow. Yeah, I guess with with the technology they had, though, you could just, you know, heal it up real quick. You could do Tommy John on the mound. Oh, yeah, definitely. You just sit there, um, call timeout. <laughs> you want um, a little flashlights and wave it over him, and he'd be uh, he'd be all good. Yeah, they, they did lose... Um, uh, O'Brien somehow to a back his uh, rotator cuff somehow yeah. they're not able to recover that. How does that work exactly? So he he gets hurt somehow, and then uh, Bashir tells him that you know because his rotator cuff is injured, he's going to have to rest it, and so he becomes the first the hitting, pitching, and first base coach. Um, I guess his line goes. I don't know. It, it it could be interesting though if you know in the, in the near future here once we have the the sleeves that can tell you where a pitch, when a pitcher is getting tired. Um, you know, just today they approved the um, artificial pancreas, they're calling it. So a system Ooh. for people with type 1 diabetes who can, you know, just put the system on them and it will basically act like your own pancreas. So at what point do we have a system that can, I don't know, pump a little uh, extra adrenaline or balance your, you know, amino acid, whatever it is that's going on in your arm? Like, are we are we that far away from... Being able yeah, to no, put a guy out uh, there, and I don't know. It's always weird on Star Trek because they would get hit with like the most random, like when I was guy was, um, you'd get the they'd go down onto the planet, whatever planet it happened to be, and one of them would get hurt, and they'd beam them back, and but they'd still be hurt when they got to the ship. It's kind of like, well, why, you know, since you're de de, de- uh, assembling my molecules anyway, why don't you put me back together with my arm back to better? That, that, I had never thought it before. The project, the um, the transporter, just is like, hey, exactly. If you're rearranging atoms and everything else, I mean, why you know, can't it just actually fix things while it's at yeah. it? And you know, while you're at it, can you, you know, I, I got a little uh, little smudge of yogurt on my cheek from from breakfast. Can you get that off me too? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> um, and and they did do that a couple times, right? Uh, well, they did use it to store. Um, like half the important crew that one time when uh, oh, yeah. the transporter goes, something goes wrong like the there's a power surge or something and so yeah. they store them in the computers they, oh, they, yeah. store them, they store their patterns in the computer and then they all ended up, of course, it's a broken holodeck episode <laughs> yeah, that's right, they had a storm in the holodeck oh, that is a broken holodeck episode it's the um, it's, uh, Bashir was James, our man Bashir and he our was man James Bashir. Bond yeah yeah and he has to not kill everyone, but they're all trying to kill each other. Yeah, speaking of strange, like, um, scenarios or mind games to play. Um, but, uh, yeah, or even, um, you know, you couldn't use the, uh, the, tra- the, the, you know, a few tricks uh, up your sleeve in the holodeck to kind of slant the game in your favor or something is surprising to me. Um, couldn't have moved that fence back a little bit or up it if you needed so um, maybe this may be a good time to slide into our draft a little bit. I notice we are getting getting a little uh, low on time, possibly. Yeah, um, let's do some. Do let's draft some, some some things. Let's pick here. some guys. 
Sure, yeah. Russell, do you want to get it kicked off as the uh, honorary guest, and we'll just snake around, uh, do a few rounds of this, and, and see what we come up with? Yeah, so so basically I think th- what we agreed to is we're just going to do a draft of, of just Star Trek stuff because... Yeah, so let's just do a free form and um, you know pick what you want, um, something maybe that interests you, and, and see where we get from there. Okay, so with the first overall pick in the Star Trek uh, Banished to the Pen draft... Uh, I select Harry Kim. Why? Because somebody's got to do something with Harry Kim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but, Any this, particular this interest? A, or? Well, this is another one of those. Um, when we moved on from DS9 to, to Voyager, we, we switched from drink every time Jake Sisko does something useful to drink the, uh, anytime they let Harry Kim on stage. And... Uh, the thing, and, and this is, you know, this was Voyager. Other than, you know, they, they, they kind of laid it on heavy with some of the, some of the we, we would watch and go allegory, because it's like, oh, you're doing, you know, whatever late '90s political issue was hot at the time, but you're doing it on a ship stranded in the Delta Quadrant in the 24th century. I get it. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Yeah. And I mean, they they would lay that on pretty thick. Um, but toward the end, I mean, it was it's interesting because on Next Generation, they always had the, oh, okay, you know, this is a Riker episode, or this is a LaForge episode, or this is a Crusher episode. And they kind of, you know, distributed those fairly evenly. By the, the end of Voyager, it was either a Janeway episode or a Doctor episode or a Seven episode, and everybody else was just kind of there to make up the numbers. And... Um, and and poor Harry Kim just you know he, I I remember thinking, there's if you look really closely on Voyager they all have to say one line, um oh, every I'm episode, kidding. and so they would just kind of have a random bridge scene, and Harry Kim would say, um, Captain, I'm picking up something on long range sensors. Okay, Harry, go and uh, go back to your room. Uh, we'll take it from here. <laughs> nice. And. That was the, you know, that's the entire thing. Uh, Seven, why don't we put you on screen? Um, and then, then it would be, and then it would be that, and Coach Cutlip, and um, and Janeway because she was the captain. And there were a bunch of episodes where I'm like, okay, where's the Harry Kim line? And so, so with my first pick, I'm drafting Harry Kim probably just to release him because, um, you know, it's just that's what you do with Harry Kim. Right, and I guess. They they killed him off, right? Kind of, but then his duplicate. Like, oh, that's one of right. He's things. like alternate mirror universe Harry Kim. Right, right. He's he's not the the real Harry Kim. Wait, and, wait, wait, really? Yeah, I have he's, no, I have no recollection of this. This is you know, this is one of those Star Trek things that you can do. They somehow doubled themselves, and it was you know, it was like double mint gum day on on Voyager, and they. You know, there was a small tear in the space-time continuum, and there was a totally alternate Voyager, and somehow Harry Kim died, and so they're like, hey, can we borrow your Harry Kim? Your ship's about to explode anyway. Um, and so they they had the other alternate ship explode while the um, the double Harry Kim came over to the real world, or the and so they were flying around. Yeah, they're flying around with a fake Harry Kim for um, five or six seasons. Wow. So he's just, yeah, the fake Harry Kim. Because in, you know, Next Generation, you had the duplicate Rikers. But um, 
and you know we can get to Riker at some point I'm sure but um, this one they actually kill one off and just keep the one it's kind of weird because um, normally they didn't kill off a lot of main cast members right I mean unless uh, unless they actually were like this person is leaving the show because they're getting paid more money to go somewhere else well, or something else actually I think I had it down like I think a lot a lot of the characters died but they, I mean alternate timeline um, yeah you know the right. the ever populated oh alternate timeline sorry yeah, about that like yeah. like Riker dies in yesterday's Enterprise and um, Jordy LaForge dies in the one where Worf is going back and forth through various universes and Tasha Yar dies about five hundred times and yeah um, like there's there's an episode where Picard dies and goes to goes to heaven and meets Q and you know that's um, yeah. but they uh, that one was up just a dream. Um, yeah. and so you, you, they, they all seem to, at, at some point they seem to have died. So they, they all know death, uh, but, well, you, but you can't kill a Star Trek character. So, right, right. Can't keep him down for long anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike, do you want to take the, uh, the second pick in the first annual, uh, sure. Banish the pen Star we're Trek. this next year. <laughs> I think we're going to cover everything we need to in like 20 minutes. So, uh, yeah, we're going to. Go ahead. Sure. Mike. So with the uh, with the second pick, I'm going to take uh, most mostly the character, uh, or partially the character of Data, but mostly the line, "Ignite the Midnight Petroleum," <laughs> because I've I've gotten so much mileage out of that over the years. People say, "Burn the midnight oil." Yes. And I say, "Ah, oh, ignite the midnight petroleum." And some sometimes people get it. Other times people just look at me and like. Yeah, forget it. Someday you'll you'll figure it out. Someday they'll they'll be watching Next Generation and they'll just be like, "Oh my God, <laughs> that's where he got it from." Yeah, but he said when he says that line, he says it like a seven year old. He's like, "I think we need to ignite the midnight petroleum, Captain." And he's like trying to say it in a way that he's like, "I sound smart. Yeah, I sound like I know what I'm doing, but I have no idea what I'm doing." And it's weird how they would kind of awkwardly throw those things in for data. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the very first, in the pilot episode, uh, what is it? Someone says, oh, geez. They're trying to be um, trying to be stealthy. And, oh, yes. And uh, it doesn't know the word. It's just ringing a bell. And, yeah, um, to, uh, uh, yeah, I forget what word it was, but I know what you're In order to it. introduce the idea that Data is an android and just, like, tell the audience right away, they're like, boy, Data, for someone with a database of blah, 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 <laughs> you don't know this word? <laughs> and then he has to define the word like a, like a robot would, you know, for them. Yeah. Um, word, but uh, yeah, they, it's funny how they would throw that in there for data that would remind you or whatever that he's an android, um, even with his skin and eyes and everything else being a strange shade of yellow. Yeah, but that was you know that was his his that was his uh, his, his his quirk, you know. Sure. Um, and I think actually, like um, Prince Spiner has, has talked about that. The one reason that they'll they'll never make another next generation thing is that Brent Spiner is now like sixty something, and he said you know to really play that character you have to be really kind of be able to pull off young and innocent and um and 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 he said I obviously I can't do that anymore. Um, wow, fascinating. But you know that's uh, that's his uh, yeah. Brent Spiner was uh, was saying it's just it's just not going to happen anymore for well and for he was kind of getting. Bulked up too at, at towards the uh, the last couple of movies too. I remember uh, it was interesting to see him. Um, I don't know if they explained that exactly, but like I mean, it wasn't heavy. It was like he was lifting weights or something, I guess, to you know try to 
you know, God forbid, get other roles and other things that are not just data. Um, so um, he was in the Master of Disguise. I remember that. Uh, oh, really? Jeez, I don't think I ever caught that movie. Actually, <laughs> not missing anything. Have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, appropriate, appropriate, I guess. Um, but yeah, what was uh? I guess there was an episode where he he's trying to figure out the a watch pot never boils yeah. line, um, and and he's like, well, I timed it. Uh, you know, I timed it while I watched it. I timed it when I didn't watch it. Yeah. And someone suggests turning off the timer. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, so I'm going to take uh, with the last pick of the first round. Uh, I'm going to go with Benjamin Sisko, which is uh, we obviously spent a lot of time talking about him tonight. But um, he's my favorite captain, I think, in the whole um, series of Star Treks. Um, I think they did a nice job of of building him up over, you know, over the series. Um, it is kind of like they couldn't exactly figure out what to do with him quite at first, I think, like exactly how authoritarian he'd be versus, you know, being easygoing. Um, he shows up one season with a goatee suddenly, and then that's a thing. Uh, you know, um, he, I like that they show him actually on Earth. Like, I feel like Deep Space Nine, for being a deep space station, they had the most Earth shots, maybe, mm-hmm. of all the series. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he's a he's a baseball man like like we are so um, I think that's always endeared me to him. I I I would take Captain Cisco but not Commander Cisco. Oh really? Because when he was because they were they were floundering around for the first couple of seasons and they were really looking for something and then the third season he shows up he's a captain it's never explained we just kind of go oh he got promoted how nice yeah um, but uh, that was really when. First off, it was when all the Next Generation writers, when the when Next Generation ended, and all the really good Next Generation writers came over to DS9, and um, and they that's when the show got really good. But um, but yeah, I mean he was the, the DS9 was the uh, it's my favorite uh, series in the in the in the franchise. They definitely hit a, a sweet spot. They started actually really developing the characters. I mean, you saw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Picard kind of be the unassailable moral force uh, guy who was just, you know, the shining light of justice. And he never really wavered from that until the seventh season where they kind of went, maybe we ought to make him human. And, <laughs> but, but Cisco, I mean, you know, he would, he would actually do the tortured stuff. You know, he would actually do the, um, you would actually see him have his, uh, his moments of, of doubt. He, you know, he had the, um, the one scene with Garrick in the, the episode in the pale moonlight where he's, uh, um, he basically goes to Garrick and he's like, Hey, do you think you can kill this Romulan Senator and not tell me about it? And then he yeah. goes and confronts Garrick and he's like, you killed him. You know, it's to that I, I occasionally just pull up that scene just to watch that one. Cause it was incredibly well done between Cisco and then, um, uh, Garrick. Um, and, uh, you know, the actors, obviously, Andrew Robinson and, and Avery Brooks just acted the hell out of that, and that was uh, just fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I'm so I'll, I'll take Captain Sisko, but not Commander Sisko. That's a well, well, yeah, well said. I mean, it definitely, they started creating those mini arcs um, yeah. right around that time when he became Captain Sisko, when I, I never even put together in my mind, obviously, that's where Next Generation ends, and like you said, so they get you know, all these great writers who have been working on this for a while, obviously. And, 
and figuring out the format and the characters. And I mean, I loved how, um, you know, like the second half of Next Generation, once they figured out what they were doing with it and Deep Space Nine, they're really character-driven shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I really... I, I, I think when I when Deep Space Nine first came on, I was like, oh, this is just a dumb spinoff. You know, mm-hmm. how good could it be? And then um, I missed out on a lot because I just, you know, was watching it here and there. And then by the time I figured out that I liked it, it was like almost going off the air. Right. So I had to come back around and exactly do the Netflix thing. <laughs> um so, uh, does this make? Do we want to snake this draft back around? <laughs> I'll pick again real quick, and then we can keep, um, keep it moving. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna pick like a dumb childhood thing. Um, I'm gonna pick the uh, animated series if I can. Ooh. Um, you all can pick things from the animated series if you'd like, but uh, for my first pick in the second round, um, I just when I was a kid, it was it was fun to. I don't even remember. I know it was syndicated. I know I would catch it here and there randomly, but um, I knew how big a deal Star Trek was to people who were like. So I'm kind of like Generation Y, I guess you could say. I'm not quite a millennial, but I'm not Generation X. And I had some older family friends who were Generation Xers. They were big into Star Trek, so my real introduction to Star Trek was more animated series, I guess, in some ways. And um, if you go back, they would kind of take some of the you know things that they did in the in the the real show and animate them. Um, but so you get the goofy, like, like, I, I remember, I just recall like some of the core, um, you know, command staff, like running, but like running in the way that animated characters in the late seventies, early eighties, just kind of flail <laughs> their arms back and forth. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And then I think there was a little bit of humor to it that, that maybe wasn't, you know, quite relevant on the original series, but, um, um, you know, it's those weird things from childhood that you, you can't, you know, you, you, we weren't binge-watching it at that time. We weren't watching it every week. It was just kind of like this thing that was out there and made me aware of how big a deal it was. Um, so I don't know if you guys ever caught any of those episodes at all, but um, it's um, it'd be interesting to go back and watch it, I guess, now and, and see how the, the animated part of it holds up anyway. Probably not well, but, you know. Probably not well. Well, I mean, it was, I've never seen it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I was. I remember seeing a couple of. I, I actually, I remember seeing a couple episodes just like on Nickelodeon or something, and thinking, "Well, what is this?" You know, I recognized. I'm like, okay, the voices are all the same, and it's obviously the same characters. And I thought it was in the same way that you know, like they would occasionally reboot Batman as a as a Saturday morning cartoon every now and again. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, this is some kind of almost some kind of like you know joke or something like that that oh somebody made a couple of episodes of of an animated series and then i found it like it was actually it was an actual thing and part of it was that you know paramount was uh, and cbs found out that their their audience were it was the biggest for uh uh the original series was kids and like they had originally meant to make the show for you know they were kind of aiming for you know, 20 and 30 something year olds and they they ended up with an audience of kids and you know now all those kids are um in their 50s and 60s but um that's uh th- that was the audience that they um they ended up doing so i mean it kind of made sense to do an animated show i suppose nice yeah so uh, and that's you know exactly how they caught me at, at some point so um um yeah my, my experience was the the same 
I, I caught it occasionally on Nickelodeon. Uh, I, 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 I think I've only seen a handful of episodes, but I just, I didn't, yeah, me too. I didn't know what it was. It was just this different thing. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, uh, it seems really forward thinking. Like if, if Netflix were to announce they were going to do, you know, some show that that's gone off the air and they were going to bring it back as an animated series, people would What's be like, Oh, <laughs> did with Voltron and at Fuller house and stuff like that. So yeah, that's right on. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, I have to try to see if I can find it anywhere, I guess, now. Oh, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, yeah, YouTube. You can pick up a lot of things on YouTube now. Yes. Um, Mike, do you want to pick up with your second pick? Sure. Since, since we already had established the theme of uh, killing off characters, but not killing them off, I, I'm going to take my favorite character from Voyager, who uh, lived but a brief life, <laughs> Tuvix. Oh, Tuvix. <laughs> you know that there were there were there were problems with Neelix. There were problems with Tuvok. A Vulcan security guard just never made any sense. I know that it was a it was a gimmick. And Neelix was just he was always over the top. He didn't serve any purpose. They were dragging around his ship. He became a chef. It didn't make any sense. But when you took two characters who each were on the fringe, you combine them into one character, and he's. He's he has a Vulcan strength, but a mane of hair like a like a Neelix. <laughs> like they, they they killed two birds and they got one stone. <laughs> I'm sure someone was stoned when they came up with that idea. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh yes, Tuvix. And and but he was the whole thing was he was like I am I am my own entity right like I. I exist, uh, like, he wasn't like, it wasn't like it was Neelix stuck inside Tuvok's body, right? Yeah, no, um, Tuvix was yeah. his, he fought for his, uh, his right to live. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Um, that, that whole show kind of, kind of went off the rails at times, I guess. Um, <laughs> and some of the things that, that went on. Um, I just thought, um, I mean, sometimes making, through some episodes was a little more challenging with Voyager. <laughs> so I was always like, isn't the show supposed to be good at this point? Like, aren't they supposed to be like figuring things out? There was an episode where Neelix had holographic lungs for some reason. Oh, yes. Well, it's, the, it's when they first encounter um, yeah. the villains to the, 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 the whole series. Yes. The yeah. Vidians, yeah. Um, they can regrow every other organ in Star Trek, but Neelix's lungs... Uh, he was just going to be confined to the to uh, sick bay with the doctor. It's like okay, right. <laughs> um, they're they're kind of disgusting looking too. Just to be honest, no, not the lungs so much, yeah. but the Vidians. Um, but Tuvix won out on my Neelix choice. Uh, nice, nice, yeah. well done. Um, Russell, you wanna you wanna anchor us with another? All right, my pick. Thing? All right, yeah. so I'm I'm going to I'm going to take. Um, set this up a little story. I, I was in uh I was in Cleveland um visiting my parents uh I wanna say last uh, last Christmas and um I don't I, I don't have cable, uh we don't have a TV set up. We just kinda you know, we're we're total cord cutters here. But my parents uh have that and so I was flipping channels just kind of um 
at, at my parents' house, and they have all the HD channels. And I went on, I was flipping around, and I found um, the next generation in in HD. And boy, is that just not something that you should ever see. Um, oh no! And so I'm I'm going to draft watching the next generation and and like early next generation, so like you know 1987 era, um, back when you know it was a show that. You can like if you watch the first season and you see their budgets for the sets and the special effects and all that, and then you mm-hmm. watch like the sixth and seventh season once they had you know they've been established and they actually got budget to do actual effects and they would you know f- film on location and things like that. Um, but uh, I think I was watching and it was, um, I think they were in like Data's apartment or whatever it was, and you could just you like the the only thing that the HD did was that it made it very clear that like data was just wearing a lot of makeup and um, like the, the stuff in his um, in, in his, uh, his quarters was just a, you know, it was just like cheap plastic and cardboard stuff that was set up to look futuristic. Um, And, but you could tell like the HD showed that, Oh, this is what it was. You know, it, there are there are certain things that just should not be. I know that everybody wants you know remaster everything into HD and all that, but really what it, part of you know the magic of um, basically crappy definition in terms of playback is that there's that soft glow that just made next generation probably smoothed over some of the you know the budgeting issues but also i mean it just kind of had a different feel when you when you when you watched it it was something that wasn't quite um i mean it had that outer space sort of a feel this wasn't part of earth i mean that's what you want on a sci-fi show and so i mean it really ruined the illusion when i was i was watching it in hd so i um i kind of watched it and, and um for a few minutes and watched them go on you know looking at it now and it's just was a hilariously bad set and uh and promised myself i would never ever do that again watching skin of evil which is the one with the big oh yeah car monster um i just i happened to catch that the other day um and maybe the first time i've seen that episode because you know it was netflix um as opposed to just watching on tv Mm -hmm. and um i'm right there with you like some things don't need to be remastered (laughs) some things don't need to be in hd um and when you have like sets, especially in the beginning of that series, that are like kind of straight out of the original series, right. even I don't know if that's an homage. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read anything like were they trying to kind of give a nod to the original Star Trek with some no, of the No, I think they they just sets? only had five bucks. <laughs> okay, I, I think it was. <laughs> you know, I mean, like the 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 thing that killed Tasha Yar in Skin of Evil was yeah. an extra. Um, with a whole bunch of glad garbage bags all over him, um, yeah. <laughs> like they, that's like literally that's what they did. They had glad garbage, black glad garbage bags, wow. and then he was just standing there going, Ooh, and you know they would do the voiceover from the voiceover in, in post, but um, yeah. but that that's the entirety of of uh, of how they did it. Um, I mean, it was just well, I mean, you know, I mean, it was a it was a pilot show. It was the oh, 80s. Sure. It was they didn't. Uh, Patrick Stewart tells the story that he figured it would last six months and then he would uh, he would go back to England and yeah I mean I thought his whole thing was he just took it to get over here so he could get you know into an American 
yeah. show basically and try to get his profile up. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously turned into something. He got his bigger. profile up. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And um, yeah, that's that's fascinating. Like the the. I'm guessing maybe some of the later seasons probably hold up a little bit better in HD. I mean, watching um, uh, some of those ones like from the early shows, though, it's crazy because you can tell like, oh, hey, they just hung a, you know, a scrim in the background and put some right. lights on it. Yeah. I guess with on, the, on that high note, um, <laughs> on that highlight, um, I guess we can kind of bring things to a wrap up. I don't know if you guys have anything else you are desperately uh, dying to, to dive into. Star Trek wise, before we uh, call it a night, uh, I think that's uh, that's all she wrote. I think. You got your fix uh, um, for now, Mike. Anything? Yeah. Any closing thoughts? Uh, my only uh, closing thought is uh, human play Domjot. <laughs> <laughs> well played, uh, Russell. You have anything you'd like to uh, sign off with for us? Uh, it's, we had nobody said live long and prosper yet, so I guess I got to say that before because you can't, you know do something Star trek without that. Live long and prosper, uh, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah kapla, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I'm going to play us off with the um, Enterprise theme, if that's ooh. okay with you guys. Um, <laughs> Russell, having not watched the uh, series, you've been spared this so far. I've never, but, uh, never seen Enterprise, actually. It just didn't didn't happen. It will, um, it will, it will, it will shock you how bad this is. But, okay. um, but I really appreciate it, Russell and sure. Mike. Thanks for uh, hanging out and talking about Star Trek. And, um, uh, you know, it's it's a big universe. It's hard to kind of get it all out in one evening. So I, I see why people do this in one minute at a you know, uh, or a few minutes at a time, so to speak. Um, but uh, my name is uh, Nick Strangis, and uh, we had uh, Mike Calucci and and uh, Russell Carlton. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, for all of us, I guess we will uh, call it a night. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, very good time. We're, we were engaged. <laughs> <laughs>